Hey guys, most times on this podcast, we talk to someone who's an expert in their field when it comes to anything sustainability or climate related. And I obviously love learning about these things with you guys, but sometimes we get to the core of what this podcast is really about, which is change. Because no matter how much new knowledge we accumulate, no matter how much we learn about changing the world, nothing really happens unless we get comfortable with tapping into the unknown and discover what it means to go through with change. Today's episode is one of those episodes where we'll dive deeper into the human part of changing the world and what it really means to show up as the change you wish to see in the world. Not just once, but over and over again. It's about creating a sustainable lifestyle, not just for the world, but for yourself as well. And Katina is an expert on personal realization and following your dreams and passions. Katina Montanas has been on this show a few times in the past, but for you who don't know her, Katina is a renowned writer and creative entrepreneur who founded the viral blog on adulting that helps thousands of millennials around the world mindfully navigate adulthood. She also just wrote a book that is coming out this week, and I am so incredibly proud of her. The book is called Unadulting, How Millennials, and any human really, can work less, live more, and bend the rules for good. And it provides insights, tools, and guidance to help millennials and Gen Zs figure out how to navigate adulthood in a conscious and happy way. She recently also co-founded a mental well-being startup, Daydreamers, and is pursuing her master's in clinical psychology at Columbia University. And since I happen to know her personally, I can also tell you that she is one of the most balanced and down-to-earth people I've ever met, and I'm so happy to share yet another deep and reflective Katina chat with all of you guys. And one more side note before we dive into the interview. We recorded this on November 3rd. Now, that may not mean a lot to you right now, but it was the day that Mercury went direct after having been retrograde for a few weeks, and it was the day of the election here in the U.S., And if you know anything about Mercury Retrograde, you know that technology tends to be messy when this planet is in transit. So with that said, of course, we encountered all sorts of recording issues, and I've been biting my nails trying to recover what turned out to be a fairly broken recording. But you know what, guys? This is not the year for perfection, and I'm just leaving you with a note that this is a very valuable conversation, and the quality is what it is. So with that said, bear with the quality on this one and know that the quality and the wisdom she's sharing will make up for it plentiful. So without further ado, this is Katina Montanos. Hi there, Katina. Hey, how are you? I'm good. So great to chat with you again. Yeah, I know. I feel like... It's been so long since we've done something like this. (laughs) I know. I remember back in San Francisco, and we were about to talk more about that, but we've been trying to have some somewhat of a regular podcast (laughs) check-in. I know. Like, in the closet of your old apartment. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We've been in my closet. We've been on Katina's floor. We've been all over (laughs) recording very important conversations. Exactly. That was before the magic or demagining the magnification of Zoom yeah. <laughs> when people actually met in person. It was a different time. I know. I was going to say, I feel like I wish we could be together in person, but I'm glad we're able to chat this way. Me too. Some days in sister, I'm putting in, in my yeah. calendar. Exactly. <sighs> well, I can't really, I can't help but think about the irony that we're about to dive deep into the topic around change and we are literally 
recording this conversation on election day here in the U.S. I know. I feel like it's the precipice of hopefully so much good change. But regardless, it really just marks a day for so many of us to transform, right? It's a big day. I feel like, I mean, obviously it's a big year, but today is one of those days where we will look back to and just say, wow. Hopefully, wow, that's when everything started to really shift. Yes, exactly. I know. And it also, I know on this podcast, we could talk about this, but it is not lost on me that Mercury went direct today and out of retrograde. So I feel like there's a lot of energy in the world that's really pushing us towards good change. Before we dive into the conversation, I want to just like talk about it today, like today, because I feel like it's one of those days where, you know, our emotions are heightened and um, it's, I feel like easier to get impacted by the energy of the world. I remember the last election uh, in 2016, I actually had to leave New York City because I felt it so intensely. I was like, I need to get out of here. <laughs> I can't, you know, it's for some reason the energies are just like too much um, for me to handle. And I think it's really important that we do recognize that and find a way to take care of ourselves and to really filter the the amount of energy and the kind of energy that we let in and also that we put out because we do actually manifest the things that we put out, right? So I want to ask you, um, what are some things you're doing today? Like, how do you handle days like this where there is a lot of tension circulating? Yeah, it's a great point. And also, I mean, it's amazing that back in 2016, you were so aware of those energies because I feel like then I wasn't even conscious of like how much that impacted me. So I was really in it and not necessarily prioritizing my own self-care. So I think this time I'm definitely doing things differently. Um, And for me, that looks a lot like just really creating space to ground myself and I think before we started recording you said something really interesting which was spending time alone today and I feel like a lot of times in these like big momentous societal shifts and like important days we want to be in the midst of everything and like be consuming information and being around people and you know for some people that might work but for me personally I definitely need to like create space to be alone um, and kind of sit with my thoughts and process them. So tactically, I definitely um, kind of set myself up, even though I internally did not want to do that. I really um, uh, kind of forced myself in the beginning of the day to sit in some silence and meditation. um, And that is always a huge practice for me that I know completely like shifts the course of my day and my mindset I kind of view it as like taking a shower for my brain um so I set some time aside to do that this morning and then really just getting outside in nature and I know nature is like a funny word to use in Brooklyn but (laughs) I (laughs) went for a long run in Prospect Park and really just allowed myself to like soak in that um and yeah I think just the last thing is being really honest with yourself and where you are and um as I said I know I'm definitely someone who can loves to consume a lot of information so I'm really trying to be aware of like if I deeply want that and need that or if that's something I feel like I have to do so kind of questioning your actions yeah, 
I mean, you mentioned two very important things, in my opinion, tapping into nature, because it's so healing and grounding. And it tends to, you know, have this, it just, you know, filters out everything that's not important, that we may be making up in our own heads, and just bringing us back to like, what is real, what is right in front of us. And then what you said about creating space for yourself, I think it's, it's so easy, especially in you know, these days or today's days like today, where we just keep losing ourselves and everyone else's energy. Totally. And it's hard to recognize what is actually my own mm-hmm. if we don't create that space for self-reflection and meditation. Yeah. So really great tips. I actually meditated myself this morning, which is something I'm trying to do a lot more. <laughs> and it's, mm, it's game changing. Like, it went well, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm up before my husband. So it was dark and I lit some candles and I'm just like, I listen to music because that helps me. Um, but I do feel like what you just said is like a shower for my brain and you wake up feeling so refreshed. It's, it's awesome. Totally. And I think the interesting, like misconception, I always like question if using the word meditation as something that's helpful for people, because I feel like we have so many preconceived ideas of what that is. Um, and for a really long time, I was like, I cannot meditate. I can't sit still. I'm too active. Like my form of meditation is going for a run. And I mean, like, while yes, that could be true in some parts, I think that it could be as simple as literally just like sitting down with your cup of coffee or water, whatever juice or whatever you have in the morning um, and listening to music and really just seeing where your thoughts go and kind of bringing them back to that safe, quiet space within you. And it could be for like a millisecond where that happens, but um, really being intentional about that time. So let's start talking about change because I think it's it's really interesting how you and I came to know each other. And for people who have listened to the podcast before and heard our conversations, our previous conversations, they know that they may know some of our backstory of how we met in San Francisco just when we had both moved there from New York. Yeah. And we bonded over like multiple things. We were both independent contractors, mm-hmm. sort of. We were both bloggers um, trying to figure out life, trying to figure out what it meant to just move across the country and follow our you know, partners in their careers. And so navigating through that, and we realized we were both really tapped into this whole topic around change mm-hmm. because I had a podcast, A Change, mm-hmm. which is all about that. And you were blogging on adulting, mm-hmm. um, the blog called On Adulting. So that's all about how to navigate um, adulthood and going through the big challenges. And no one really talks about, but it's just going to pop up after college and be like, you're here, <laughs> you know, you arrived. Um, so, yeah, I, I, um, I want to like really uh, let the listeners know what you're all about because you're fantastic. You have this successful blog um, on adulting. You've been featured on multiple publications like the Huffington Post and Teen Vogue. And now you even just wrote a book, which I'm so proud of you. Mm-hmm. And when you told me about this, I was like, yes, because I remember we actually had a conversation on this park bench in San Francisco. And you told me that I have this dream of writing a book yeah. and I know it's going to happen. And I remember when you told me that, I'm like, yes, it, it will. Like I just knew because how you said it mm-hmm. with such certainty. And you told me like, I don't really know how it's going to happen, but I just know that I'm supposed to write a book. So Please tell the listeners what is unadulting all about and why did you write a book on this topic? Yeah, oh my gosh. It's so funny to kind of reflect on who we were, you know, as we talked about 2016, it was really around that time when we met, so serendipitously. So um, yeah, I I guess going back a little bit in my story, I basically started on adulting, which as you said, is a blog that's now a book and community 
So it's all about navigating adulthood in a mindful and happy way. And I graduated from college and started um, out my in my career in the finance world and kind of immediately realized that that was not the space for me. So speaking of making change, I was deeply aware of the change that I wanted to make, but really unsure of how to do so, which prompted me to start reflecting and questioning and really just becoming conscious about the choices that I was making and where I was negotiating my values versus really stepping into my true self. And through doing that, I ended up um, writing publicly and kind of saw that so many other people were struggling with these big life questions. And that's where on adulting kind of took off. And for the past three to four years, I've really been understanding what that looks like myself, going from writing a blog in the late hours of the night after my full-time job um, to being able to turn it into my full-time job and then writing a book. And really the book, which is coming out in just a few weeks, is a compilation of all of those experiences. So I know we'll get into this later, but it's really like a guide essentially for people who want to start making those changes and living their most full, connected and authentic lives and are unsure how to do so. So it kind of breaks it up into um, the big picture strategies and kind of tools you can use to start reflecting and asking those questions and then how to start actually making that change for yourself. I cannot wait to read your book. Um, knowing your writing, knowing you as a person, I know it's going to be this book filled with actual tactical things you can do and that fun reading that you want to have and go to bed with so to feel uplifted and inspired so I can highly recommend checking out Katina's book and I want to dive into a few of these topics a little deeper because I have my own thoughts about sort of like the general shifts that are happening in the world right now and I mean on like a consciousness spiritual direction sort of level like very out there woo-woo-y but like I'm just feeling like something is really happening um and I want to hear your take on this too but as a just an overlaying arc of what I'm thinking of is that I feel like our generation like the millennials of the world we've been brought up with this concept of change uh, that I think it's different from those who are older than us that's like I think we've been like given this this idea of like change is possible. You can work for it. Like anything you want, you can have. You know, it's about dreaming big and going for it and all this stuff. And I think which I'm about to get into too is like the younger generation or like the shift we're seeing now is even moving beyond that. Um, but let's start talking about like what I think we have been brought up with and how that really kind of like imprints who we are and what we think in the world. Because although it sounds great that you know we've been taught and brought up with this idea of like anything is possible you are you know, almost expected to make the most of your life, right? It's like, well, if you don't live a happy life, it's on you because you have all these opportunities. Like you've been told to do whatever you can, but that creates so much stress if you don't know how to handle it. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're bringing up such an interesting point. And interestingly, in the second part of the book, there are four parts, but the second part is really about like why we are the way we are as millennials and kind of the state of our world today. And it actually is based on a lot of both like neurological and then societal research about this exact point that you're saying. So why do we get to adulthood and feel like we've been told we 
are able to do all this stuff and then are deeply confused and nothing is really living up to our expectations. Um, and then we can't kind of act on that, right? So there's actually a lot of a lot of reasons why that's the case. And I think um, we could hone in on two different ones. So the first is specific to the millennial generation and even younger generations. There was a really interesting shift in parenting styles when we were born. Um, and this actually relates to the uh, a lot of big societal shifts that happen, but also um, the economy. So a, a lot of our parents, you know, were raised in this permissive parenting where their parents kind of were like, go out and play on the block, you know, like entertain yourself. You're fine. If you go to college, it's fine. It is what it is, right? I don't know if your parents grew up like that, but mine at least, regardless, even though they were so different in their upbringings, they both were like, their parents were not very involved in their childhood. Um, and interestingly, as our generation was born, the importance of a college degree had increased dramatically. So the purpose of going to college completely shifted. So even though our parents may not have been raised by, you know, having this like add everything to your resume and delay your happiness until you get to college type of mindset, they inherently were kind of forced to do so, whether it was your specific parents or societally in your school or in your community, um, that was the expectation. So we actually were kind of raised with this collective mindset of like, do all this stuff in order to get to this point delay your own feelings or happiness or sadness or confusion about that because you have a goal and once you get to that goal and achieve that goal you can feel whatever you had been putting off but oftentimes that ends up being really harmful and we know a lot of those reasons why if you're listening and have experienced that you know how bad it can feel but oftentimes we get to that goal and we keep searching for that next best thing, right? We're not satisfied with the goal that we've achieved. And then we end up really feeling, you know, in the place that we're at right now where our generation is the most burned out, anxious, and unfulfilled than ever before in our history. And I know that sounds really scary and sad, but there's a lot, a lot of ways that we could fix that. And I think it's really our purpose here um, our generation and the younger generations below us to really start shifting that narrative. And I think we're already doing so. Two things that, that pop up for me when you are given, you know, this almost opportunity or like you've been told that you can create your own future, like go for it, like achieve whatever you can achieve and make sure that you always do your best and have the highest grades and all this stuff. You might be accepted through the school of your dreams. And so that reach of the dream or the chase of the dream continues. And after a while, you've put in so much work and so much time and so much passion into this one path. So when you finally land there and if you're not happy, you feel dumb, right? It's like you invested so much of your life into this one dream and you may not even have a time to reflect on if that was the right dream to chase in the beginning. Um, and what do you do then when you, like, when you land in that dream job that you have put on the pedestal like that is my dream job that's everything I'm working for and you reach that reach that point which I actually know happened to you and you reach that point and realize 
I do not want to be here. <laughs> and I can like stir up like a whole different ray of emotions, right? Totally. And I think on that, there's like a, just quickly, there's also like a completely different way that we've been taught to like process our quote unquote success or feelings, which is like, if you do this thing, then you will feel this way. So we kind of look to the external factor or that achievement in order to tell us and inform us how we should feel rather than looking inside of ourselves and understanding that like this is who I am as a person and nothing outside of me can affect how I feel other than me and those feelings may shift and change you know the feelings are fleeting, right? You might feel happy in one moment and sad in another, and it doesn't define you. Um, but we haven't necessarily been taught or quote unquote trained to understand that almost flipped mindset. So I think that's really our job in adulthood to start um, understanding that. Yeah. To like own ones. Mm-hmm. What is, what am I looking for? Like, I don't know if the word is efficacy, but you know, or just, the right to be who we are in each moment. Yeah, totally. It's like owning our own ourselves, our own narrative, rather than letting it be influenced by everything around us and what other people deem as successful. So what if we are to go down that path of redefining what success looks like and we choose to ignore what the society has told us or the path we've been traveling and we're setting ourselves out to reach or find our purpose. That's a process in itself. <laughs> that can also stress out a lot of people. So what's your take on that? Like, how do you think someone finds one's purpose? Yeah, that's a great question. It's actually a lot of what um, this book focus on, focuses on because I feel like at least personally, and I know that you probably have experienced this too but for so long I was like I need to find my passion my passion will define me it is like what I need to do um and I felt so lost and I was kind of looking for all of these different um ways to kind of jam myself into what these pre-existing like definitions of passion and purpose were without taking that time to really look inside. So I think that the cool part about this is that your purpose is has always been inside of you forever. It's not something that you need to search for um, or look for experience. It's like already there it's really just allowing yourself to undo all the layers of what the world has told you you should be in order to find it so tactically there are a couple of different like practices that um i have found really helpful i've also coached you know dozens of people on um navigating what that looks like for them and i'll just share two really quick practices and um there's a lot more detail on this, you know, in my writing, but the first one is this idea of, um, I like to call it who you were as a kid. And I feel like we really downplay this, like the things that we loved as a kid. And we're like, oh, that's so silly. That's, you know, not me now as an adult, I would never do that. And I think this is really interesting, even for you. I know, like, you had always loved trees and you were like the OG tree hugger, right? As a child. Um, and as you got older, you were like, 
I'm going to fit into, you know, like do marketing and do all of these things, modeling and all this stuff. Um, but deep down, like caring about nature was so important to you ever since you were a child. And I think for me, similarly, I always loved storytelling and writing and being creative. But like, as a young kid, I was basically told in order to be quote unquote successful, you need to um go to college like do something in math or science and like make a lot of money essentially no one told me that in those specific words but that was like what I absorbed from society so I pushed off my love for writing because I was like this is so unrealistic I'll never do this um so and ultimately I think looking at both of us we've really been able to shed all of those layers and tap into what our purpose is whether it's fighting for the climate or, you know, writing and sharing stories with the world. So I think the first thing is really to look back at your childhood and just get curious about the things that you loved and really dive even one layer deeper to that. Like, why did you love that thing? Um, I think an interesting example that I bring up in the book is this idea of how, like, when I was younger, I played a lot of sports and I you know, thought that that was something that kind of defined me, even though I was not very good, to be honest. But I was always the one that was, like, really into cheering everyone on. I was, like, the key motivator. And when I look back at that aspect of playing sports, like, I didn't love scoring the goals or, like, you know, um, kind of winning or any of those things. I just loved connecting with people and like making them feel really good. And getting to that level of stuff that I loved as a kid really helped me understand like the things that I could do as an adult that were connected to my purpose. So that's number one. And number two is this idea of coming up with your North Star. And I know we've talked about this quite a bit. I talked about it a lot on the blog, but this was really the most pivotal, pivotal um, tool or practice for me, and it has been for so many people that I worked with. But it's this concept of really coming up with one sentence, like a North Star mission statement, that helps you make decisions about what's aligned or not in your life. Um, so for me, my North Star is helping adults navigate adulthood in a mindful and happy way. So it's really understanding the who in your audience, like who do you want to help or connect with or do something for the what you want to do. So going back to that childhood practice of like what aspect of the things that you're into really lights you up and then how do you want to do it or why do you want to do it? So like I want to help navigate adults navigate adulthood in a mindful and happy way. Those are kind of the areas that help me make big and small decisions in my life. So those are two tools to play around with and um, just see where they help you land. And I think that our purpose is something that like is always there. And once you kind of connect with it, you'll really know. I love it. I think it's um, one of those things where it takes a little bit of work to get to. And I think we need to not feel pressured or stressed into getting there. Like you just, we speak on ours of our stories and we both know from knowing each other, that it took years to get here. Um, and 
one thing, and I'm still struggling with like trying to really figure out exactly what I'm here to do. But one thing that actually one of my coaches, um, she was on my podcast this summer, Megan Markey. She asked me once, what if the universe would employ you and pay you to do the things that you're here to do? What would you be doing? Because I think sometimes the blocking part of it is the fact that we're like, well, how am I going to make money doing this? You know, like this doesn't exist yet. And we tend to block ourselves and not see the doors that will potentially open themselves if we just go down that path because we fear from the very beginning. Like, I don't want to acknowledge this as being my purpose because there's no way I can make money doing this. I actually have people reach out to me in frustration because like, I went to school for environmental science and now I just don't know what to do with my life. Like, how can I potentially or ever like make a job or a living doing this? Like, how can I save the planet and still, you know, find ways to support myself and pay rent? And I would say, first of all, right now, it's, it's sort of that pivotal time where we are starting to see change. So I think it's going to be less of an issue in the near future. But of course, like there is, it's hard sometimes to, to trust that and to know that there is a way that I can do what I want to do and not having to have a soul-sucking job every single day, but maybe taking baby steps. And something that you and your partner, Dupi, often talk about is the whole idea of like creating just to, to open up your creative mind. You don't have to, just because you have happen to like to, to do photography or you happen to like to draw or whatever it is that's creative for you, you don't have to find a way to make that your living. You know, it's okay to do something like yeah, doing it too. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. I think that number one, the concept of like finding your purpose isn't something that you just wake up one day and you're like, this is it. It is it forever. And like, it will never change. Like it definitely is years and years of really number one, understanding what lights you up or even what jokes that like fire within you, whether you feel an injustice about the world or excitement about something like really starting to get clear on what that looks like and then also like not being scared to follow it and by follow it I think something you really honed in on there was this idea that like it doesn't need to be your um forever every day all the time thing it could be something that's just um you know you're like Side excitement. For example, on adulting was my like 11 to midnight, 11 p.m. to midnight thing that I did just for fun because it really like lit me up and I didn't make any money from it for the first year and a half at all. And it wasn't even my purpose in doing so. So I think that like really teasing out the concept of trying to do everything at once and really make like your entire life your purpose and make money from it can feel really overwhelming. So starting to just view it as like, what's exciting to me? How can I incorporate more of that into my life? And then let's see where that goes without trying to exert too much control over it. Yeah, absolutely. And something I felt to be helpful, and I'll let this actually sort of pivot us into the next question, is sometimes when you just accept a calling and your purpose, without having to find ways to make that your livelihood, you just do it out of like pure will of making the world a better place or pure will of helping other people or whatever it is that you feel called to do. And you don't always put your, like your time and effort next to money. Because I feel like sometimes we just want to do because we want to do. It doesn't have to be paid for. Um, and that that does not mean that you shouldn't respect the, the fact that you, you need to be supported too. But I feel like sometimes just by tapping into what we feel is our purpose and giving from a place of love 
uh, and abundance, that's when you will start getting clues from the universe of like, oh, here's actually something, here's a way that you could potentially help people uh, in, in following your passion. So how important do you feel it is that we actually find an individual purpose that also is sort of like aligned with a higher purpose? Is it important that we have both or should you focus on one over the other? Yeah, so it's really interesting because, I mean, what that question makes me think of is this research by this National Geographic explorer, Dan Buettner. Um, he is the brains behind the concept or the research project Blue Zones. So if anyone's ever heard of that or if you haven't, it's really, really fascinating. And essentially what it is, is it's this like 10-year study um, about the places in the world that have had the highest amount of centennials, so people who live to be 100. And one of my favorite quotes from his book about this and you know, his reflection on this research is that if he could um, package up a magic pill that helps us live the longest, healthiest, and happiest lives, guess what it would be? I would say living in community or service or something. <laughs> yeah, well, it's connected to that. It's having a purpose mm. in life. And I think this, the way he described it was so fascinating to me. And I think it really gets at your question because especially for us millennials who are like reaching and grabbing and doing everything the best possible, biggest way, um, we have this concept of higher purpose as like doing something that reaches millions of people and helps all these people be better and, you know, like highest means best. But I think in uh, Dan Buettner's research, he actually found that purpose is really anything that makes you feel connected to something bigger than you. Mm. So that purpose could be like helping your neighbor get their groceries every week or like being part of a community board or something like really small and consistent. And I think to me, that was so powerful because at least in my own experience, I always think that I have to keep going and achieving and doing more. But in terms of making our communities better and our world better and even our own lives better, the concept of purpose could be just on a really small individual level and that continues to inspire others to live happier and healthier lives as well. I love that so, so much. I feel like that is kind of where we're shifting into now as well in these bigger shifts that I was talking about earlier in the world. Um, I think we're coming back to the importance of being part of a community and to actually be part of a physical community. Like it's not just about connecting on social media, although that's a, a wonderful tool for getting to know people um, from all parts of the world. But there's also this added um, need, I feel almost, to be of service to others and to really be supportive in a community and learning what it means to actually help one another again. And I think when I, what I talk a lot about in my Climate Optimist class is you know, the, the what I, I speak of the happiness hormones. So it's endorphins and dopamine, serotonin and oxytocin. And oxytocin particularly um, is, you know, um, created when we have that bonding between other people with other people. So it comes through like simple acts of kindness. It, it's from like touching and being a service and feeling like we're part of something bigger. And that is the most 
one of the most wonderful feelings um, you can have. And I think an essential part that we have been lacking for quite some time. And I think many millennials who have been, or anyone who has been taught that, you know, find your purpose, find your dream, reach your goal. And like, think of yourself kind of like climb up the career ladder. And then we're lacking that higher purpose, even if it's a simple one. And that's when we feel so lost and disconnected. Totally. I couldn't agree more. And I think that, yeah, that we know that loneliness is really one of the biggest epidemics that is facing our world today and specifically our generation. And even though we're so connected, um, we are the loneliest generation there is. And interestingly, research says that loneliness is connected to smoking 10 cigarettes a day. That's what it does to your health over the long term. So this idea of connecting to others, having a purpose that's really, really simple, like it can be huge and it can even, you know, flexibly be huge where it's like for some part of your life, you're doing something really grand and some part of your life, you're just taking care of your family and all of those are just as meaningful. And I think that going back to what we said in the beginning, we can really start to redefine what success and connection and um, purpose looks like for all of us individually. So, okay, let's talk a little bit more about that shift that I think we're seeing because it's, it's all about what we're talking about and what we're so passionate about. And I think we are entering this new world where change in self will have a lot, you know, a bigger seat at the table. And I believe, for example, that school systems will have to change because we can't teach kids just, you know, these set, set ideas of things like learn this and you're good. Um, because yes, that might land you one career, but I think everything that we know is about to change so dramatically that you need to learn how to pivot. And I think one of the most useful skills to have, if not already, but soon, uh, is learning how to be open-minded and being more comfortable with shifting and going through change. And I think, yes, we're heading towards a regenerative carbon neutral world, we are going to have to redesign society and rethink like basic values and how we go about our lives and like everything we know to be true today is going to have to change, which is a good thing, but we haven't really been taught up until now how to deal with change. And so I think that is going to, that's sort of like the big shift we're seeing. How, how do you think the world can successfully enter this new era? I love that description. And it's so interesting because one of the things I write about in the book is um, when I was in middle school and high school, and I don't know if anyone listening can relate to this, I was in my school, I was encouraged to take this test where you input a bunch of different aspects of your likes and dislikes and the computer spits out like an ideal career for you. And in the book, I kind of reflect on that experience. And to me, that is the epitome of our education system today, right? It's like, get some very high level of understanding of who you are as a person, and then we'll do the work to basically fit you into a mold. And you just kind of go along that way without asking any questions. And I think what you're describing and what I'm also really passionate about is teaching these like critical thinking skills. And I think the interesting thing is that like it doesn't it definitely should and of course like i'm sure we're all advocating for that to happen in schools um but i think that 
all of us can start to really question um, our lives and understand what our core values are. So the way that I like to think about that is um, with this question that I kind of have gotten obsessed with and ask a lot throughout the book and have really been questioning myself on a lot over the past few years is this idea of instead of saying, what do you want to be when you grow up or right now? Um, it's who do you want to be as a person? And I think that question really allows us to explore the things that we want to stand for, whether it's you know, caring for the environment just as much as we do our, like, families, right? Or these other important values. And I think then we could start to have this collective conversation around, like, what values are important to us as a society. But I think it starts on the individual level. I love that you brought that up because I was actually just about to say that I feel like part of the shift that we need to see happening is, you know, transitioning from this idea of it's almost like, you know, figure out what you want and then try to get there as soon as possible, right? Like the faster you get there to whatever position at this company or make this amount of money to so can buy your house and, you know, live happily forever after. Um, it's almost like a race to get to there. And like, you want to get there as, as young as possible. Like, you know, he's only 28 and he's already reached this point in his career. And it's like, it's this chase of reaching this linear path. And I think what comes with that is an um, unwillingness to change because it's like, well, I just invested all this time and energy and I'm here. Like, why would I ever want to change that? But if we shift into instead valuing growth um, and purpose and service, then there's no such, such thing as wasting time or energy because like, yeah. yeah, I spent the past five years learning this about myself and learning this about the world and doing this good to these people. And now I've learned these things and I'm shifting and I'm feeling like, okay, for the next five years, I will want to be doing this instead. And so there's no like reaching a destination or a goal. It's all about the journey. And I think if we can shift that mindset, like we will be able to start living completely different lives. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of research to back that up, even on the most selfish level. And there's this really interesting um guy his name is leonard moldino i might be pronouncing his last name wrong but um he basically was this like engineer who turned into a screenwriter and like an author and has had this crazy interesting uh, path in life and he talks a lot about um this concept of change essentially at its core and how actually the people who end up being the happiest and most fulfilled have had the most winding path in life. So they're not the ones who take the kind of first description of life that you described, which is get somewhere the fastest and keep riding up that ladder. And that's not to, you know, um, say that that's wrong for anyone, but the people who at the end of their life admit that they're most fulfilled and happy are the ones who have done the most interesting and random things. So I think even from like our most selfish level, if we just personally want to live a fulfilling and happy life, then taking that mindset of growth and change is really core to that. We talk about change and like how this all needs to shift, but like, what does that actually mean for people? And I'm someone who highly believes that change can be practiced. 
it's actually a muscle that you can get a lot better at. So just because you don't happen to know how to go through change now, you're not super open to it. Uh, I used to be that person. I totally hated change. It was like not at all what my life was about. Um, so I learned that you can actually practice this. Um, and I want to hear your take on that. What do you think is the you know most successful way in making sure that you stay in the flow of change um, and you're continuously finding new paths in your life? Yeah, that's a great question. And interestingly, I mean, you know this, but I haven't talked too much about it, but I'm actually pursuing my master's in clinical psychology. And one of the things that we've been really focusing on is this idea of transformation and how it shifts our physiology as well. Um, So I think what you're saying is that change can be practiced and that's actually like proven out in our brain. So when we shift our behaviors, even on the most like basic level, we actually create these new neural pathways in our brain. And the more that we engage in that practice, the more that we build that habit, the stronger those parts of our brain get. So I think at the most basic level, really just allowing yourself to like show up with little expectations as possible, but being as consistent in the practice of whatever you want to shift or change as you can. So for me, for example, I know we talked about in the beginning, this idea of meditating and back a couple of years ago when I thought that meditating was like not a thing that I could do or wanted to do or capable of doing, I just completely wrote it off. And then one day I um, was, I think it was honestly around the election time four years ago, I was feeling so confused and stressed. And I just sat down one morning and I was like, I'm going to time myself for five minutes. And instead of rushing to get ready and working out and jumping in the shower and grabbing a coffee and heading onto the subway and kind of being in this anxious fight or flight mindset already, I'm going to sit in silence for a couple of minutes. And it might be really hard, but I'm just going to see how it goes. And I made that commitment to myself for three days a week for an entire month. And I was like, let's see if this works. And soon by the end of the month, I found myself showing up every day of the week and it just got easier and easier. And I think that's like a prime example of the way that we create these new pathways in our brain. If we just show up with no expectations and are committed to that practice and like bite-sized chunks. So I think we could apply that to nearly anything, whether it's recycling more or working out more or kind of being committed to understanding ourselves more. But It could be just really small shifts that we do consistently. All right, guys, this is actually where our recording broke completely. So we had to pause our interview and continue on a different recording platform. But you know what? This gave you a little bit of a break and some more of Madeline's beautiful music and a chance to just reflect on all the things that's been said so far. I hope you're feeling excited about finding a passion and working for positive change, not just in your life, but in the world as well. And for the remaining of the interview, here are some of Katina's tips on how to stay mindful and balanced in all of this work for positive change. I 
I feel like I can talk to you for hours, Katina. So um, let's try not to, <laughs> to get too deep into the whole change thing. But I want to really have a little bit of time to talk about what you're so passionate about. And I feel like something I keep turning to you for, which is this sense of mindfulness and reflection and meditation and self-care. And what I talk a lot about in my Climate Optimist class too, is how we need to start looking at this change that we're here to do as this exciting road trip um, that we need to start traveling right now. But it's also so important that we learn how to have fun and of course to rest and stop and fuel up along the way. Because if we run out of fuel or food or anything that we need to keep going, you know, we're gonna just not keep going. So what's your take on that? Like, what are your favorite mindfulness hacks that you do um and why do you think them why do you think they're so important Mm, that's such a great question and I think that the idea or concept of self-care has like gotten such an interesting reputation (laughs) over the past couple of years but I really think to me it comes down to two different concepts one of them which we actually started our conversation with which is this idea of slowing down and creating space for yourself to really just be and reflect and um, kind of be connected to that inner wisdom that you have. So for me, tactically, what that looks like is really what I talked about what I was doing today on election day, which is meditating, creating space for silence, moving my body um, and getting outside and getting fresh air. One of the things I didn't talk about is I've been really into breath work lately. And I like the scientific power of our breath is so deep and profound. Um, And I think that really just no matter how much you get into the science behind breath work, but really just connecting to your breath in the biggest times of stress has um, a really profound effect on our ability to slow down. So I think those are kind of one bucket of things. And then on the other side um, is more like inspiration and energy and really getting excited about a lot of the things that we talked about, which is making change and making the world a better place. And um, for me, what that looks like is really creating time to use my creativity. So I've been really tapping into that practice a lot personally, and we know the health benefits of being able to um, exercise your creative brain. And that could look like anything. It could be doodling, it could be writing, it could be making music or dancing or cooking or whatever the things that light you up and allow you to kind of release and get in the flow. Um, And that is kind of how I view my own mindful self-care in those two types of buckets. That's one of the things I love so much about you and that I've learned Mm -hmm. (laughs) so much from just, you know, knowing you and being around you. I used to feel Mm -hmm. like it was not in my place to find these times because I had so much important work to do. And, you know, like, how can I take this time to just relax and be creative for no reason because there's so much more that you know needs my attention and then mm-hmm. I realized that the more I actually pave out these times for myself I will be more creative for the actual work mm-hmm. too so it's essential and I love what you and Doopy do when you go on your creative um, dates yeah. or whatever you call it inspiration, <laughs> yes. yeah, inspiration <laughs> dates it's like it always looks so fun and I can relate when you just you just say, okay, let's just go to town and see what happens and yeah. explore and let, let the day take us where I want to take us. It's just so freeing totally. and relaxing. 
Yeah, I feel like so much of our lives are scheduled and kind of run by our calendars and meetings that even just allowing yourself a little bit of freedom and this idea of inspiration dates or creativity dates where you just like set aside some a couple of hours or even just, you know, a short period of time in your day to explore and have that mindset of exploring really, you know, has profound impact on our productivity even and our ability to create stuff. So yeah, I I love that you're incorporating that. All hands on deck. And this year has almost forced us, right, to just create more space. We have all this extra hand in our time in our hands and it's like, all right, maybe there is room for this. Maybe I was just running around like a busy bee for literally no reason before and nothing really got done thinking I was busy. Um, like this whole mindset of like, if I don't feel busy, I'm not doing enough work. I think that's a different narrative that needs to shift. And I think you're a great reminder of that. Yeah. If you were to, um, just put one wish out there for your book, like, what do you Mm. want this book to do to the world, to the individual, um, to yourself, because we are allowed to be selfish. Like what, what's the wish do you want this book to accomplish? And that can be more than one, but I want to hear. Oh my gosh. I love that question. I haven't really thought about that, but I think that, um, one of the things I talk about in the beginning of the book is the power of words and how when I was really going through it and struggling and so confused about, you know, these big questions that we've been talking about for the past hour or so, um, seeing and hearing other people's experiences really showed me that there was a path to doing something meaningful and fulfilling with my life. So I hope that even if it's, you know, just for one person, it allows them to hold that mirror up and also um, look into their future, hopefully, and kind of prompt them to get curious about what they can do to help themselves in the world, then that would be my one wish, but hopefully it reaches more than one person. But if it does just reach one, then I know that it will have impact. <laughs> well, I can already say it's going to reach me. So you can take that one off. And I'm exactly. sure it's going to reach so many people. And you're yeah. making such wonderful change in this world. I, I love you. I so, I, you know, treasure you as my friend and as a change maker, as a woman and as a human being wanting to help other human beings live a more fulfilling life. So thank you for everything you do. Please let the listeners know how they can find you, how they can join your community and how they importantly can buy your book. Oh my gosh, totally. And thank you so much. I echo everything that you just said. Um, and I'm so excited we got to have this chat. Um, in terms of where you could find the book and connect with me, I would love to hear from you. So definitely find me on Instagram at on adulting. I've also been like weirdly into TikTok. So any social channel you could find me on it's on adulting. Um, and you could buy the book anywhere where books are sold, which is really exciting. So I have a list of places on my website linked to different outlets um but you can purchase it anywhere but my website is on adulting and it launches on november 24th katina montano's in a bookstore how does that feel (laughs) (laughs) yeah girl (laughs) thank you so much for having me this was amazing i can't wait to uh, hopefully see you soon i'll see you soon i know it take care girl
Thanks again for tuning in and make sure to head over to unadulting.com or to any bookstore online or nearby to get yourself a copy of Katina's book. Trust me, your life will begin to change from here on. And until next time, take care of yourself and remember to stay grounded and optimistic and let's keep changing the world one step at a time.